This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, my flex learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I am Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast Transformative Principle and author of the book School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant, temporarily based in East Hampton, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org. The Center, <laughs> the Center for Cyberethics is the producer of the Cybertraps podcast, although it's really just the two of us eating chat. <laughs> in any case, the Center for Cyber Ethics is an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research, curricular development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. All right. Happy Monday, Fred. Yeah, you can tell it's Monday because I am just <laughs> like out of it. <laughs> You know what it is? I have been just knee deep or eyes deep in this book project I'm working on, and it just consumes all of your energy. Yeah, it really does. And I'm so excited to see the result of that. I can't wait for this book. I don't know you're half as excited as Amy is, but we'll see (laughs) how that goes. Um, and, And you're in the midst of a book project as well, which is farther along than mine is. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I am pretty excited about that. It's, um, I'm not sure what the title is yet, but it's about how to be a transformative principal. I like the title, the rise of the digital mob, which is your book much better. It's, uh, 
So I'm, <laughs> I'm working on elevating my title game. My my title is kind of plain in my mind right now. Well, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I I probably spend too much time thinking about <laughs> titles and not quite enough on the actual substance. But just real briefly, I think it's going to be interesting for us to talk about as a book promotion tool uh, next year when it's released by Beacon Press, because one of the interesting things that's emerging from my research is the extent to which children have been targeted by online distributors of information of one kind or another, really across the spectrum, um, from the mid-1980s forward. And I think that a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in our current situation uh, stem from the fact that kids have been spending so much time online, largely without adult supervision. And given the fact that that's almost 40 years now, it's, it's a significant factor, I think. So I'll be curious to hear what people say about it. Yeah, I think so. And I think that recognizing that this is... As as I've said many times before, this is us all learning together how to use these devices. In fact, um, that was one of the key points that I raised. And we didn't talk about this last week, but I did a talk to a Rotary Club um, in that has members all over the world um, about the right. work that we're doing in the Center for Cyber Ethics. And so that was uh, last Tuesday that I gave that talk, and we talked about how social media exacerbates trauma specifically, but that it, one of the big problems is that everything that we're doing now, parents and children at the same time are learning about it. So it's not like the old days when dad learned how to drive. So then he taught his kids how to drive or mom learned how to drive. She taught her kids how to drive. Um, This is something where everybody's getting Facebook at the same time. Everybody's getting meta at the same time. See what I did there? And everybody's yeah. <laughs> getting Instagram at the same time. So they're all experiencing it at the same time rather than an older seasoned generation passing information down. And this is completely changing how we approach and deal with things. And nobody honestly has the right answer right now. Well, we're all scrambling. And I think so much of the work that we've been doing over the past almost a year, which is remarkable, has really been aimed at that specific point. And And one of the things that I've talked about uh, for some time, really since the publication of Cyber Traps for the Young, is the way in which technology flattens both experience and expertise, and and it's more, not just both, but many things. It flattens expertise, it flattens um, experience and wisdom, and then it also flattens this access to technology that you're alluding to. So, you know, what we find ourselves in repeatedly is a situation where kids are not only on the same footing as adults, but oftentimes are farther along because of their natural facility with technology. Yeah, that is um, that that piece of the kids actually being farther along is is definitely something that is real and concerning, something that we need to think about. And if they're ahead of us, then how do we help them? make better choices. And you and I, I think, say the answer to that is to teach them correct principles and then let them make their own decisions. And if we are doing a good job teaching them correct principles, then hopefully they will make the right decisions going forward. Yeah, I I think that's well said, Jethro. And the other thing that we are 
are constantly reminding parents is that even if the kids seem ahead with respect to technology, the one thing that kids can't be ahead on is just life experience. And there are lessons for adults, many of which adults have learned painfully, that they're still in a position to pass on to children. And that's where we get to this concept of principles to which you alluded, because the experience that adults have is generally applicable to what kids are going through, even if it's more tech-based than the adults actually went through. So, you know, I know that a lot of parents kind of get freaked out about technology and how good their kids seem, but the kids, by definition, can't catch up to that experience piece. So there are still good conversations to be had about how these things can play out. Because when you're talking about how you treat other people, it doesn't really, at the end of the day, matter whether you're doing it on social media or in person. It's still about how you're treating people. Yeah, this is a really key point that I don't think we address often enough, honestly, Fred. Mm -hmm. We need to do a better job of saying it's not about knowing the technology. It's about sharing your life experience and the things that you've learned. And I think that that's a key takeaway for me today that we haven't mm. talked a ton about, but we should drill that point home more often because a lot, I, of, yeah. a lot of people feel like they're inadequate because they don't know the technology and you need to just let that part of it go and recognize you still know what the right thing to do is and <laughs> lean on right. that, you know, <laughs> that's right. So we're going to lean into experience and decency and all of those good factors. I think that's great. And and hopefully, Jethro, we can put a pin in that and, and really make that a core of the topics that we're covering. I agree with you. Yeah, well, let's get into our Debbie Downer episode today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, this is like brought to you by the Grinch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man. So why are we kind of raining on the Christmas parade, Jethro? Well, we're going to talk about technology toys for kids. I mean, Cybertraps. So our title is the Cybertraps Podcast Holiday Shopping Guide, which if you're listening, you already read it. But we've got um, holidays coming up. We're going to be buying presents. And one, things are probably going to be delayed because of the supply chain issues that are going on. And two, um, we're probably not going to say what your kids want us to hear, which is don't buy them <laughs> technology-based things for Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that we, you know, for kids who are running screaming from the room, because hopefully children are listening to this <laughs> podcast. As well. But, you know, look, we're, we're not here, as is true in almost everything we talk about, to issue categorical you know, knows to things because so much of this is based around the idea of family conversations and what's appropriate for your kids and what fits into your particular situation. And we categorically believe, and maybe I shouldn't say that we, but I certainly categorically believe, and I think you agree, that tech has a place in our educational system, in our family lives, You've talked very eloquently of having family game nights or, or playing games with your kids, which we'll talk about in more detail. So this is not a shot across the bow of the tech company saying, you know, they're inherently, you know, the bad Santa 
of <laughs> film lore. What instead needs to happen, I think, is that when parents are shopping, there are a bunch of different issues, some of which we've touched upon on this podcast, that they should consider when they're making their purchasing decisions. So that's really the point of this. So not to make everybody grumpy with us, but really just to raise awareness of some of the things that every parent should be thinking of. Yeah, definitely should be thinking of is really what we're talking about. And we're going to talk about some of the hot tech toys. And some of them I think are actually pretty awesome. And I added one to the list after you after you made the list that uh, that I'll actually start with. One, because you're not going to get it in time for Christmas because it's already <laughs> sold out. But I hopefully will get it in time for Christmas because I've been following its development very closely. And that's called the Playdate, which is a small yellow console type device that is intentional in a few ways one it has a crank like an old-fashioned crank not for battery power but like a mimeograph machine or yeah and you you can crank it as you're playing which is kind of cool if the game you know the game designer created that part of it so there's some cool stuff to that it's unique it does have internet connectivity but i don't believe that it has any social features built in so the link for it is play.date. And what's really fascinating about this is that it's designed by a popular software company called Panic. And they made a game a couple years ago that uh, was very well received critically. And then they decided to make this physical console thing with an open SDK so anybody could really make games for it. And you can even make games for it on it, which is just mind boggling to me. Um, huh. If I understood that correctly, maybe you can't, uh, you might want to fact check me on that one. <laughs> but anyway, what's really cool about it is that it takes you back to the days of yore when I was a kid and um, consoles like the Game Boy were really simple, low quality graphics, but really fun games uh, were created there. And this goes kind of back to the early days of the video game industry, which is, um, which is kind of fun, but taking advantage of all the modern technology that we have now. Uh, you know, you subscribe to a uh, to a games catalog and you get it every couple days or whatever, or every week, I think is what it is. And so you get a new game, it just shows up, and you don't have to do anything, you don't have to pay extra for it, it just is there, and then you get to play it. So anyway, that one I think is pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to getting that. And the, the thing I'm looking forward to is playing those kinds of games with my kids specifically so that they're experiencing something else and that it's just a little bit different than what they're used to. So there's that one. That's interesting, Jethro. I just took a look at the website. And again, for those who may be interested in scoping it out, it's play.date, play date, clever. Um, yeah. And as a matter of fact, doing a real fast fact check, people will be able to develop their own games using this device. Um, now, it does say that in order to do that, there's going to, you'll have to ins install, install their software developer kit, their SDK, and use um, a web browser to create and then go through a process called sideloading of the games. Um, for those of you, <clears throat> excuse me, remember the early days of the iPhone, you know, you would jailbreak your device and then sideload programs from your web browser 
to make it do things that now Apple has basically taken over from everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, this will this is an this is kind of an old school device in in a lot of ways, but it looks really innovative. So uh, that is interesting. The you know the word that you mentioned, I think, is really at the top of our list in terms of things for parents to scope out, which is what is the level of connectivity that these devices have? So if you go through some of the other uh, things that are in our show notes that we mentioned, um, obviously something like the Fire HD 10 Kids Pro tablet from Amazon is going to have online connectivity because that's how you get the apps and books and so forth. Um, that The selling pitch for parents on that, of course, is that it's a walled garden, you know, that that kids only have access to what Amazon makes available in that space. And again, with the consent of parents. So there's a fair degree of uh, supervisory capacity there. It's a little less clear that that's true with respect to, you know, for instance, the Nintendo Switch, which is year in and year out, one of the hot, hot devices. Uh, Google is now trying to get in on that with the Google Stadia, where you can play games on your TV if, or your Chrome browser. Um, and you'd really want to dig into how easily can kids play with other kids and what kind of interaction is there in terms of either voice over IP or messaging or things like that. Yeah. And, I, you know, both of those last two, the Switch and the Stadia, are really interesting. I don't know how that's pronounced. Is it Stadia or Stadia? Well, Stadia, if you're a classics major, Stadia probably for everybody else. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Okay, that's great. Um, I thought it was stadium because it made me think of a stadium. I'm sure that is much more logical than my approach. Oh. <laughs> That's good. Well, <laughs> obviously, neither of us have watched any uh, releases of this particular thing. No, um, no. So it, the the connectivity, so the Kindle Fire Pro, for example, you can do um, Amazon's version of FaceTime, which is... I don't remember what it's called, but you can you can do video calls on that. So right. so right. those things are there. One of the cool things about um, Amazon's ecosystem is, I believe, from what I've seen, uh, the parental controls are pretty good with that. So you can yeah. limit yeah. time, limit apps, that kind of stuff. Um, my kids have an old Kindle that I that used to be mine because I love reading books on the Kindle, and it is. Uh, they have a kids area there where I can send them in. And then through the Amazon app, I can do parental controls and see what they're reading. And because it is, it's Amazon system. I have all the access to the parental controls for the Kindle fire as well, which is a pretty cool um, setup. And uh, there's some, there's just some cool things on there uh, as well. Um, so mm. the, the last one we have on the list here is the Osmo math wizard and the magical workshop excuse me (laughs) (laughs) so osmo is this um is this thing that makes it so that you can use your ipad or uh kindle or whatever to uh to do math and to do different things with physical devices that are connected to the um to the tablet which is really a cool idea that you can solve puzzles by moving blocks in different ways. You can 
uh, answer math problems and that kind of stuff. And it's really a um, definitely an educational type thing, but it's actually pretty fun from what I've seen. I've only seen kids use it. I haven't ever used it myself. Well, and I think one of the things that's nice about that is that the Osmo in particular begins to bridge the virtual and the physical world, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a really innovative approach. Um, again, anytime that you see something that you know involves tablet interaction, then you have to start thinking about the other ways in which the tablet can wind up being used by your kid or you know what kind of supervision you can do in order to make sure that the kid stays safe. The, the nice thing I think about the Amazon um, HD is that parents can set different categories of time limits. So, you know, you can, for instance, say, okay, you can do 30 minutes of gaming, but I'm going to give you an hour and a half or two hours of reading. And the, you know, the device itself helps to monitor that. So it literally will shut down the games when the time limit has been reached. Yeah, you are intense. An hour and a half to two hours of reading forced. Gosh. <laughs> That's my, my it was when I was a kid, it was actually more of a challenge to get me to stop reading. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. I mean, I went through a lot of flashlight batteries, let's put it that way. Yeah. And you know, for, for those of youngins listening, yeah, that was before you had a smartphone <laughs> with yeah. a flashlight in it. Um, so yeah, no, whatever. It's um you know, a lot of this stuff is going to involve knowing your kid, right? What what does your kid like to do? And as parents, I think trying to, you know, push them or encourage them to try different things that may be useful for them. And, you know, we've had this conversation, Jethro, about how our expectations and our uh, goals have probably shifted in the pandemic, right? I mean, it's just, it's really upended a lot of the things we took for granted in terms of how much screen time or educational use or what have you. So it is a different environment than if we had done this a year or even two years ago. Yeah, it, it really is. And really thinking about that for yourself as a family is a is a wise step to take. So a couple of years ago, we did experiences only for our Christmas gifts, except mm. for pajamas which we always do. And so we didn't get anybody anything because that was um, uh, December of 2019. And we knew we were moving from Alaska and we did not want to add anything else to our household that we would. Right. You didn't want to move presents like (laughs) three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. So we did uh, gifts of experience and that was a lot of fun and we really enjoyed it. We actually did that for the whole year of birthdays leading up to the time that we moved. So all of our birthdays and, and our Christmas was all, um, was all experiences and those were good and those were enjoyable. And, our kids liked that and talk about that a lot more than any gift they have ever gotten for anything. And if, if you don't mind, can you offer a couple of examples? What? Uh... Yeah. So um, for each kid for their birthday, we would just decide what we were going to do. So for my daughter's 12 year old birthday, uh, we do a 12 year old trip with our kids where one of them goes with me, the 12 year old goes with me and we go somewhere. So we went to uh, San Francisco and Sacramento with my oh, cool. oldest daughter yeah. And when we lived in Alaska, and then we went to Texas with uh, my second daughter when she turned 12 that year and went to uh, Six Flags over Texas, 
while, by the way, I had right after I had broken my foot, and so I was on a on a scooter. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it was uh, it was intense to be sure, but a lot of fun. And then for our family experience for Christmas, we went to China Hot Springs, which is outside of Fairbanks, and spent the night there and went in the hot springs and rode in a behind on a dog sled behind dogs, which was really cool. Wow. And just an amazing experience. It was like negative 30, negative 20, negative 30, something like that. And, you know, we're out there being pulled by these dogs and it was just an awesome, (laughs) awesome experience. Well, now I feel cheated because in my one visit to Fairbanks, nobody mentioned the hot springs. (laughs) Oh man. Well, Next time you go, you want to go there. It is like an hour and a half away, so it takes a while ah, to get there. But yeah. it's it's definitely worth it. If you're flying all the way up there, you might as well. You sure. might as well go. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> well, you know, look, we one of the things you'll see in the show notes today, folks, is that you know the uh, the idea of considering experiences like that instead of you know some pile of gifts is really an interesting idea that. You know, we're starting to see things ease up in terms of traveling. Uh, there may be things you want to do with your kids that they would really enjoy. A couple of other suggestions that um, we'll toss out before we dig into some of the tech issues. Um, some people are focusing on trying not to buy new. And so looking for, um, you know, refurbished or used versions, again, maybe you're Maybe that means you'd be half a generation behind in terms of some of the tech toys, but you know there are some real bargains out there. You know if you surf around on eBay or some of the other online sites, so uh, that's certainly something to consider. And then one other interesting idea that I stumbled across when I was uh, researching for this Jethro was uh, the idea of these subscription boxes that are built around educational themes. So, for instance. Uh, there are a couple of companies that do very tactile, very hands-on puzzles and toys, and one shows up each month. And it's it's just an innovative approach because it kind of extends the holiday idea. Uh, it's a little bit of a surprise for the kid each month. An interesting option rather than necessarily you know blowing it all on one day. Yeah, that's something that we've done also, um, where yeah. we did uh, subscription boxes through Kiwi Crate, and we really enjoyed that. They had good stuff that gave kids an opportunity to create and design and do those kinds of things, and all of our kids really enjoyed doing that. And I will say it was pretty expensive, and <laughs> well, that's um, good to know. You know, when you've got four kids, then things add up pretty quickly with that. But yeah. we figured that it was a worthwhile thing to try for. I think we did it for about six or seven months. So it was, it was worthwhile. And then we decided that, you know, as, as the excitement wore off and kids stopped building the things that they got, then, you know, that's pretty good indication that it's, they're done with it and we should not waste any more time or energy on it. And so that's, that's that's how we did it. And to, to your point though, about, about all these things, there comes a point where people just get, sick of the things that they got for gifts. And it's, it's in my opinion, pretty rare for kids to love something so much that they use it every single day. Um, and so, you know, think about that as you're, as you're buying things too, especially when it comes to technology, the next one is going to come out and it's going to be <laughs> so much better and you're going to want it. The kids are going to want it so much more. So just think about that and think about whether or not that's wise for you and your family where you're at. 
Yeah, and here's an interesting exercise that's running through my head, Jethro, as you're talking. I think I, I think I have one childhood gift still. Oh, think about that. Is there any is there any childhood gift? You know, you just turned 40. You know, is there any gift that is still in your house that you received when you were a child? And mine would be what I call poor old bear, which is a, uh, <laughs> a little tiny German stuffed bear. <laughs> all right. Keep talking. I'm going to go get you something that I had from a kid. I'll, oh, fantastic. I'll just... Okay. So I'm going to fill airtime while Jethro goes off and hauls off his childhood toy. So here's the thing. We are hopefully going to um, give you a quick rundown of some of the things that you should consider for the safety of your children. One of the things I'm really startled by is the fact that there are so few articles that discuss these kinds of safety issues at this time of year. And I, you know, it seems to me that there's a real, a real miss here on the part of media companies because yes, while we're promoting all of this consumerism, we should also be thinking about some of the broader issues around gift giving and more specifically, what the impact of different gifts can have on our kids. So what's your, what's your display? Okay, so <laughs> here we are. This is an owl piggy bank and it says be wise, save down on the bottom. Yep. So it's pretty cool. And my- That's nice. My blind grandma painted this at some event, and this, I think, is pretty much the only thing that I have left from my childhood. Wow. That's yeah. actually very cool. So I will say for listeners that that owl has a rather fierce expression. Oh, on it, so. it does. <laughs> it does. And Save or else. <laughs> that's right. And I really like this, this owl because it is a memory of my grandma, who was really awesome. Um, but also, it just reminds me to be wise and save. And, you know, that what was amazing about my grandma is that she was blind and she would... Um, she would still do things. So she knitted these hats that were all these different color of yarn and none of them matched or anything, but we really loved them. And the slippers that she did with them also, cause she knew how to do it. She didn't need to see to be able to do that. So anyway, th that's neither it's here nor there. But... Story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked because that's, that's a lovely thing to hear. So let's turn our attention to contemporary parents and the kinds of things that they may want to pay attention to. So, obviously, if you've listened to the Cybertraps podcast at all, you know our first issue, which we've alluded to already, is is the toy that you're buying or thinking of buying for your kid something that can go online or has online connectivity in some way? Question number one. Because yeah. you need to know so many more things if the answer to that is yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really do, because there is so much more to it than, you know, just some, you know, Game Boy like I had when I, when I was a kid that was, I mean, I didn't personally have one, but they existed when I was a kid is what I mean. Um, that you you <laughs> can't go online. Exist when I was a yeah, kid. <laughs> all you can do is, is play the games that are there. You can't, you have to buy a physical cartridge to add anything new to it. So there's a good chance of parents knowing what is going on there. And, and those things just are not the same today. Almost everything is downloadable, very hardly anything. 
you must buy a cartridge for, even though the Switch still has cartridges, but you can also download games on there mm-hmm. without without buying it. So, uh, And then the other part of that is com- interacting and communicating with other people online and how much effort you need to have to monitor that and to ensure that what's happening there is not putting them in danger or exposing them to things that you don't want them to be exposed to. Well, that's right. I, you know, the Game Boy is an interesting example, or or the early Nintendo games, right, which were also cartridge based, and it was. If you take a look at you know obscene profits from way back when, it was possible to get to get games that were marginal or completely inappropriate for your child, but not necessarily that easy. And the odds of of the parent knowing or discovering that were much greater. And so that was useful. And and with those games, because there was no wireless, there was no online aspect to it, you probably would interact with your friends face-to-face when you're playing them. So there was some more social aspect to it. But that has completely changed these days. And when you look at the rigs that kids want to set up to play video games online, it's really staggering. I mean, the cost, but then also... The degree of interactivity, that there's cameras, that there's voice over IP, you know, real-time communication, it's just, it's really crazy stuff. So in between those two extremes, you know, I I don't know, actually, I will give a shout out to uh, a show that I've been working through called Mythic Quest. I don't know if you've heard about this online. It's it's actually pretty funny. It's a kind of sitcom-y look at a game development company but one of their characters is a 14 year old boy who's this dreaded reviewer of video games because his word can make or break (laughs) a game and they depict him in what is basically a space shuttle setup you know of of fancy chairs and multiple monitors and the whole headset gear stuff so any kid who watches that and puts that on their Christmas list needs to have a relatively long conversation. But, you know, there are middle grounds to all of this. And I think that, you know, the starting place for parents is, okay, who might you be interacting with and what kinds of interactions will you have? And that segues into the topic we covered in show 71, I think. Was that the one that we put in there? Yeah, Kappa. Um, Papa, yeah, yep. um, because when we talk about online interaction, we're not just talking other people. We're also talking companies. And that's probably, you know, the the greatest immediate risk to your child's privacy is the data that the company that built the toy or game wants to collect from your child. Yeah. And what they're going to do with that. And that was actually episode 78 ah, is the you. one about Kappa. Yep. Um, well, there's a link in the show notes so you can go right to it. Yep. So the other thing is um, whether or not your child is ready for that next step up in that technology. And um, age ratings are out there on video games and things like that. And you should at least pay attention to those. You know, you you may have different values than the people who are making those ratings. So you may think some things are not appropriate when, according to the the rating system, they are. So think about that. Um, and then I would encourage people to err on the side of waiting because it's it's not the worst thing in the world for you to delay that. And I had this conversation with my um, 13-year-old daughter just the other day, 
And she wanted to go to a friend's house and watch a movie. And we knew both parents were not going to be there. And I said, it's not going to happen. And she said, well, don't you trust me? And I said, of course I trust you. But you are 13 years old. Your brain is not developed yet. And we're just not comfortable with this. We know the family. We know they're great. I'm sure you weren't going to watch anything inappropriate. But at the same time, without any parents there, I'm just not going to put you in that situation yet. There will be plenty of time when you go do that without any parents there as you get older. But you're 13. We just moved here. We don't know that many people. We're just not going to, to put you in that kind of a situation where you have you know, something happened so early on in your life that we, we don't want to happen. And just to having that conversation, her being able to say, I feel like you don't trust me. And me being able to say, it's not about trusting you. It's about trusting the situation. And the situation mm -hmm. could be something that you are not prepared for. And if you're not, it's my job as your dad to make sure that you are in a good place and that we can support you and help you grow. And so now that we've had the conversation, the next time it comes up, hopefully she'll ask again and we can have the conversation and continue and see where her relationships with these people are that she's going to be with, who who they are, what she's learned about them, and, and all of that coming together to help us make a better decision for her. That, I think, is a great example of the kinds of conversations that are so useful in these contexts, right? Because kids will form an opinion as to what they can do and what they can handle. And sometimes it's a little premature. This does give me an opportunity, though, to get on one of my favorite soapboxes All right, let me get it in out. the tech world. So underline this. Look, the, the, the age limits, particularly on social media, may seem really arbitrary to kids in particular. I've certainly met 11 and 12 year olds who were very mature and very thoughtful, but it does send a, I think, negative message to kids if parents help them get around age limits mm -hmm. in order to participate in something that they're really not supposed to. Now, we've got two different situations, to be clear. You know, the age limits on social media are actually terms of service for those particular services. A lot of the age ratings that you'll see on the toys we discussed are quote unquote recommendations based on the appropriate development levels. So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, for instance, uh, I think the was the what was the game here? The Osmo Math Wizard is recommended for ages eight and up just because of developmental issues, but there's no term of service in terms of using that game. So if your five-year-old is really precocious, you know, a la Sheldon Cooper, mm -hmm. great, let them have at it. But, you know, that's a different situation than your 12-year-old or your 11-year-old coming to you and saying, will you help me set up a Facebook account? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely something that you, you want to think about and talk about and also – I, at, talk about it with the other adults that are in the kid's life. You know, this could be if you're divorced, then making sure that one parent's not buying something for kids that they're not allowed to use at your house or things like that. Grandparents. Well, I know. actually can interject on this one yes, a little please. bit, Jethro, because that <laughs> look, you know, I went, I went through a divorce in, in 2004 and 
the kids were nine and seven and and there it was just difficult i mean the the person that my ex-wife wound up with as a partner lovely guy actually went to the same college i did so i knew him ahead of time but much more of a gamer and so you know there were gaming devices available to the guys my my sons that weren't available at my house and and that is a tricky thing to navigate uh, again having conversations with the kids about how adults can make different choices actually helped to you know cope with the situation but you may you certainly you know particularly um depending on the circumstances of the divorce you may not actually be able to get to the same set of rules for the two households so it's important for people to be realistic but it's also good to remember that you don't necessarily have to have the same rules you know if you can sort it out that's great but talk to the kids yeah, but the thing is, is you still need to talk to the kids and the other adults that are in their life and ensure that, you know, auntie's not going to buy a present for the kids that you are wholeheartedly against, you know, so, <laughs> so, so open up the conversation, talk about what you're doing, what you believe, what you think is important. I think that's, that's really valuable. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is that um, interactive toys that uh, emphasize your f- your family connection are so worthwhile being able to play games. And, you know, uh, last night we were playing a game called skull King, which is a really fun card game. And it, people got frustrated and dropped out of the game before it was even (laughs) over, but that's not really a bad thing. I mean, we can talk about it and talk about how, how the game makes us feel and how we play with each other and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, Look for things that build you closer as a family rather than pull you apart and isolate you, I think would be my last my last statement there. Well, that's that's a great note for you to end on. My my last word on this is that uh, this this is a phrase that popped into my head that there's no there are no supply chain issues for your time and your interaction with your kids. You know, if you're agonizing over whether or not those supply crates will be emptied off the port of Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, that's that's not within your control, but your ability to interact with your kids is sitting right there, ready to be delivered. So mm-hmm. that's our recommendation for the holidays. Excellent. <laughs> All righty, folks. Well, we have reached the end of another episode of the Cybertraps podcast in the coming weeks especially leading up to the holidays. We'll continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to our growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic or guest suggestions. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review in your podcast service. We appreciate having you in our audience and look forward to you joining us for our next episode on Thursday, another interview from the PPI Institute down in Oklahoma City.
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.